On this week's Boko Radio, we get you ready for week one in the Big Ten. We discuss the top games throughout the conference and make our picks before previewing Iowa's game against Miami of Ohio. Sit back, relax, and get ready for the boom. unbeaten no more piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes but when his number was called seven got six Welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, what's going on? I was in Columbus this weekend, and I had multiple Ohio State Buckeye fans come up to me and tell me that they're not your stereotypical Buckeye fan. And after a couple cocktails, turns out they were the stereotypical Buckeye fan. Did you then come up behind them and do the Josh Jackson interception where you one-handed it and jumped in the air and then brought it down? No, I just kept screaming woodshed all night, and they knew what it meant. That's good, too. And with us also, it's the people's champ, David Johnson champ. How's it going? So by stereotypical Ohio State fan, you just mean a complete douche that thinks their team is the best team in the world. (laughs) Is that what you meant by that? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, he actually one of, them, one of them might be listening in on his first show to this one. So what's up, buddy? Uh, appreciate you. <laughs> you still fit all stereotypes, guys. Subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcast. Subscribe to the Blackheart Gold Pants podcast feed. Follow us on Twitter at Shy People's Champ at Jerry Sherwin. I'm at Dave Cray, and you can follow uh, Blackheart Gold Pants at BHGP. Also, we have a voicemail line. Season starting this week. Finally, we got some football. So leave a voicemail with your thoughts, reactions to the game in the moment, predictions for the next game, questions for us for the outside zone. You can reach us at 224-661-0909. Put that number in your phone so you guys are ready for Saturday. We'll tweet out that number again all week so we can get get your phone, get your reactions. We'll compile the best ones and play them on the show each week. I'm going to sweeten up the pot, pot a little bit here. I've decided just in the moment for the best voicemail at the end of the season, I will provide a Cavante Martin Manley signed football because he tweeted me again today asking if I was interested. So you know what? I finally am. Best voicemail at the end of the season gets that prize. So give us a call, guys. Get yourself a football at the end of the year. We did have a texter texted in the line. You can also text, but that's not fun. We can't play text over the over the show every each week so make sure you guys are calling leaving a voicemail but you can text if you got questions for us that we want to throw around this one comes from somebody in the 515 area code the question was would any of our predictions change if at all if some of the underclassmen who declared last year for the draft stayed so the guys who declared were anthony nelson noah fant tj hawkinson and amani hooker Jerry, you're Mr. Optimist. You have them in the playoff, winning the Big Ten, winning 16 games, being the Detroit Lions, if you guys listened to last week's show. How could your predictions possibly change if any of those guys came back? I'll tell you how they'll change. I would be even more ecstatic and out of control. We are talking about adding not one, but two NFL first-round tight ends, the reigning Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, and Iowa's version of the NWO Kevin Nash. And you're going to tell me that I'm not going to be even more outrageous. I might start calling for the New England Patriots at that point. 
and I'm not even joking. This Iowa team would be – you couldn't – Here's the thing. The media would actually give Iowa some credit if these guys were back, I feel like. Without a question. Where where do you think they would be ranked preseason AP poll if all those guys are back? Clemson, Bama, <laughs> Iowa, three. <laughs> Champ, what do you think? Uh, I mean, three is a little optimistic, but uh, this is Jerry who took literally every over last week in our over-under segment. And I meant everything. it. He took the over. But uh, let, let's just say for the sake of argument, all four guys are back. Iowa probably is a top 10 team. I mean, they're probably, you know, right there like eight or nine. I mean, they're 19th right now, 20th in one poll, 19th in the other one. So, I mean, they're uh, they're right they don't right on the outside of the top 10 right now. I mean, if even even if you just put the two tight ends back on this team, imagine how dynamic the offense would be. Holy hell. I'm I'm glad you said that specifically, champ, because I almost feel like if you brought both those guys back, what's to say the offense is any different from last year where it was incredibly frustrating. We saw Noah Fant on the sidelines way more than he should have been. What makes us to say that if those two guys come back, that everything's going to be so much better? They didn't they had well, they had them, they didn't even really use them last year. They well, used him I enough. Would think, I would think the the prodigy's prodigal son Ference would actually use the fucking guys to his liking and actually play his top players because you guys have anointed him the next God's gift to offense. So I mean, you would think that he would actually be able to use these guys having another year with them. But you're right; he might not have used them because Noah Fant was on the sideline too much. So given that, I think the, if I could pick, like, let's just say, like, they want to consult Spoko Radio for whether or not they should go or should they stay. Selfishly, if I had to only pick one of them, it's probably Anthony Nelson, right? That's the one guy no. that you would want to kind of keep. You want to keep a Monty Hooker? Yep. No, I want to keep T.J. Hawkins. Well, there yeah. you go. He's the best. He's the best player of the four, I think. So I think right now with the kind of question marks going into this first game with the depth chart and what the cast position looks like, adding the co- like the defensive player of the year back into this team into this defense with Maui getting a full 200 more snaps, I think that just adds to this defense. I was shown it before 2015. Um, back in 2009, a strong Iowa defense can get them as far as they want them to go. I already believe in the Iowa offense, so give me a Monty Hooker. Okay, I don't. I think really, I don't, Hawkinson, Nelson, Hooker. You couldn't really go wrong adding any of those guys to to this year's team and and having them be make a significant impact. But um, I personally go with Nelson because I think him opposite Maui getting those getting either it prevents as many double teams that Maui's going to get or it gives Nelson more one-on-ones which I mean he had 10 and a half sacks last year yeah. so I mean who's to say what else he couldn't do uh and more one-on-ones so um, in, any, anything else yeah DC I'm just kind of curious like champ said to be a top 10 like I'm looking at the AP poll right now it's Texas Notre Dame Florida 10-9-8 do Iowa above them if they added all four of these guys back? Well, we saw what Florida looked like last night, so yes, they're above Florida. <laughs> all right, so what about Michigan, LSU, Ohio State? Those are the next three. Um, they're probably right there. Just be, They're right there, and the reason I say that is I'm not sure what Michigan's going to look like with a brand-new offense this year. I agree. I They're think right. they. I think six sounds realistically. I will temper my expectations and my optimism. I would feel like six sounds right. 
I think that's what a preseason looks like. I think my question or my point about there being how good the offense really would be with those guys who they had last year and they didn't truly get maximized the talent that they had. That leaves some questions to me and how this offense would operate with those tight ends and getting everybody else involved, the three running backs, the five wide receivers, potentially with Oliver Martin, at least four, like, and then two more stud tight ends. The, it's all on paper. It would be great, but it just I don't know how the team would actually you know, execute on all that talent being on the field. Only at Iowa do we have a worry about like, oh, that's a little too much talent. I don't know if we can figure this out. I, I, I would take it in a heartbeat. Don't get me wrong. I'm just Brian would figure it out. Champ knows. Now we we can only hope with old beef BF over there. Who the Did you just call him beef? I kind of like that. We all know beef BF beef. No, I said I said BF, bro. Well, I think I kind of like the beef though. Me too. He's I mean, I'll give him a nickname if he actually performs. If his offense, what nickname beef, would that I'll be? Him. Beef. I'll I'll come up with a good one if he has like five good weeks of offense. I'll give him a good nickname. All right. Well, speaking of beef. Our texter also had a follow-up question, kind of stemming from the Buffalo Wild Wings debate oh. last week all on, in Iowa Twitter world and Iowa world. Is Pancheros considered fast food? Oh, no. That's elegant dining, Pancheros. <laughs> That's definitely not fast food. I mean, it's a quality establishment. I'd, I don't think like a Chipotle Pancheros type place is fast food. When I think of fast food, I think of a place you can drive up to a drive-up window and get food in your car shove it down Pancheros is a nice sit down you go in you tell them what you want on your burrito or quesadilla or tacos whatever so i would not consider Pancheros fast food i would agree with you jerry what do you say well when i hear when i think of fast food i think of fine dining establishments like taco bell chick-fil-a so when I think of Poncheros, I think of bad fast food. So I would say it is okay. fast food. But now, now Poncheros <laughs> is bad. A few weeks ago, you said you go there for their burritos. You mix the Chipotle ingredients in the Poncheros burrito. This all this bullshit that you said you do, and you go to two different places. You do all this walking, blah blah blah. Now Poncheros is not good. Yeah, their ingredients aren't good. I stood by that, and I still do. Such a silly, ridiculous take. Let's talk a little Big Ten action. We've got a full slate of Big Ten games to go through to watch this weekend. But let's kind of start things off conference-wide. If you had to preview the week that is Big Ten football in just a tweet, what would what would your tweet be? Champ, let's start with you. What do you got? So mine is kind of a weekly and a season-long tweet. I kind of did a little combination here. And my tweet is, the Big Ten is the deepest, most fun, and best conference in the nation, and it's not even close. I think going into this year, the Big Ten is exceptional. I think it's deep, and I think it's the best conference in the nation. And I don't think it's close, so that's why that's my tweet. Are there any, Champ, are there any games that maybe have you questioning send, hitting send on that tweet? Uh, I mean, there's, there isn't the greatest of slate this week. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's some. That's an understatement. I mean, there's a couple good games, but for the most part, the slate this week is not very appealing. So, yeah, there, I mean, I would say 11 out of the 14 are pretty disgusting. So, yeah, if you want to just pick a hat, grab it, go in a hat and pick which one you want to pick, that's not very good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of bad ones. 
So your tweet's more on like what the conference is going to do throughout the yes, season. My, I it's kinda, not just on week yeah, one. Yeah, I kind of viewed this as like a season long as opposed to uh, the week one that slate is just – I mean, I guess I could have come up with a good one for Stanford-Northwestern because that's probably the best game of the week, but I kind of made it a conference, uh, a season long tweet for our conference. Okay. Jerry, what, what's your tweet? My tweet is – don't judge us by our Thursday and Friday games. Judge us merely by the Hawkeyes. <laughs> Is that Big Ten West specific? Because I feel like there's some shots to the rest of the Big Ten West. It may be. It's however you choose to read it. It is a tweet, and I just like to leave my tweets. Sometimes I'm not just always just Mr. Optimistic and just putting it all out there for all of my fans and all of our fans to just know exactly what I'm thinking. I wanted to be a little nuanced with this one. I wanted you to read into it, and I also was hoping that maybe I would get some flack back so that I can get a little bit of an argument. I, with I mean, people. the funny thing is the Thursday game is probably, I mean, South Dakota State is not a horrible team, so they're probably one of the better teams that the Big Ten is playing this week so you might get some flack back for from some gopher fans well you know i i, I like it you, you kind of want to chirp the rest of the big time west assert your assert the hawkeyes dominance across the division i think that kind of flows a little bit in into uh my tweet but it's more widespread for the entire conference it's big 10 separates contenders and pretenders early i think we will have more reason for the Ohio States, the Iowas, the Michigans, and heck, Champ, I know you're going to disagree with this, even Northwestern, as that's kind of a preview, as legitimate people who are going to end up in Indianapolis this December. I mean... Do you think that's going to happen week one, though? Or, like, is this a uh, first couple weeks I would thing? say that with DC's thought, that sounds like, to me, like a couple teams could get upset this week. That might be a little foreshadowing for DC. I mean, I noticed a couple teams he didn't mention. Maybe they get upset and they are there for pretenders now. I don't know. No, I just think going into the all this offseason, we've always heard the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Penn States... I think all those teams that we've heard from, and we're going to get into this specifically a little bit later, but I think those teams are going to separate themselves from the from the people who your Illinois, your Rutgers. I mean, this is going to set a clear top level, and then everybody else in the Big Ten, and that you're just going to it's just going to con- separate themselves from week one, and it's just going to be kind of a boat race from the top of the Big Ten down compared to the bottom half. I feel like that's how that no- the conference normally plays out, though. Yeah, and I, I just think week one, like Champ said, the slate's not great, but I think you're going to see the teams who are expected to do really well are going to come out and prove it week one. The teams we think are going to struggle in the Big Ten are going to come and show us exactly why everyone thinks they're going to struggle, and we're going to kind of go off like we like we basically planned. I, to me, there's not going to be too many surprises. That's what I'm basically getting at with week one. Okay. I have something I want to say, but I want to save it, DC, because I know there's something coming up a little bit later. So let's hold it for that part. All right. Well, let's get into some of these games more specifically. We're going to do this through a a game we're going to call Finish the Sentence. So I have a few different Big Ten related uh, sentence starters, and I want you guys to finish this off. And I I will also finish it off. But first one, Justin Fields will. That's what she said. (laughs) Justin Fields will blank. Jerry, we'll start with you. I, I took out Will here because I just I, <laughs> can't even follow but, the rules. <laughs> no, I'm making my own rules for this one, but this is how this show goes. So my sentence is Justin Fields shouldn't be judged until after week five. 
And I've just looked at the Ohio State schedule and Again, Ohio State has some cupcakes early. I don't think Justin Fields is going to be a finished product right away at the start. I also think that like if he does go out there and he puts up some major points and some major yards and and, and kind of lives up to that early hype, I don't think that's really in in, in in the way that we want to view him going forward. But week five, they play Nebraska. And I think that's the first real test that he's going to have in his in his young career and in the schedule that we're really going to finally see a guy that's comfortable in game, a guy that's been playing throughout the, the, the first start of the season. And that's when we should really kind of look at him as a as a full prospect. He's halfway through the season. That's the guy that I want to see. So you say week five, that's Nebraska, Nebraska defensively has a lot of question marks. So what does it make? What's the difference between what he does versus Nebraska versus anybody else in the first four weeks? Well, I would say that Miami of Ohio, um, FAU, and I think Cincinnati aren't really up to that Nebraska hype, at least early season. If you're going to tell me that Nebraska is going to win the Big Ten West, then, like, again, this is something that I want them to prove it, like Champ always says. But Justin Fields should be able to go in there and be the type of quarterback that can beat Nebraska and that defense. You forgot, if you could see him, you for, go ahead, you Champ. You forgot one team that they're playing in those first four games, and it's your Indiana Hoosiers that you hyped up a couple weeks ago <laughs> that you think is going to be the next great Big Ten team. So, I mean, maybe you should say, I believe they play. Pump Indi- the brakes. They play Indiana. I didn't week say they're three, the next great so Big Ten team. Maybe it should. Your little made-up thing should be after week three and the vaunted Hoosiers D. I don't know. First of all, Justin Fields can't play defense and quarterback champ. So Indiana, everything about the hype about Indiana was about their offense, oh, not their defense. Gotcha. I forgot the Hoosiers offense is just so electric that I forgot about that. I think you'll see a lot more from Justin. You'll be able to tell a lot more Justin Fields versus Cincinnati's defense than you will against Nebraska's defense. I agree. Cincinnati, I think, is a much better defensive unit than Nebraska has been at least the last five or six years, and I don't see a huge improvement this year, despite them wearing their black jerseys because they're the black shirts now, and they think their defense is going to be good for their you know alternate jersey. Listen, all I can go off of right now is what I see in the media, what I see online, and what I see in the polls. And right now, I don't see the Cincinnati Bearcats in any of those things. And you know what I see constantly? The Nebraska Cornhuskers going to the Indianapolis at the end of the year. So prove it to me, Nebraska, and Justin Fields, prove it to me that you are the second coming of Braxton Miller. I could go on a 15-minute tangent of why you see so much for Nebraska versus Cincinnati, but that's for another, another podcast another day. But this rolls right into my sentence for Justin Fields. Following the rules, Justin Fields will quiet all the doubters and the haters. A lot of people have been saying off, all offseason that Justin Fields has a lot to prove because he has not played yet. But you know what? I think he is so talented, and just based on anything Ryan Day has said, what Kevin Wilson has said, I am a full believer before he even takes a snap for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and I think he's going to come out and prove it immediately on Saturday. I mean, my my sentence goes right along with that, D.C. Mine is Justin Fields will be the Big Ten's best quarterback and be a Davey O'Brien Award nope. finalist at the end of the year. I think Justin Fields is going to be very good this year. I am right there with you, D.C. I believe big time in Ohio State. I think they actually are going to run the table. I think they're going to be 12-0 and heading into the Big nope. Ten Championship, and that's going to be led by Justin Fields. I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. 
How could you even say that? We haven't seen this kid play football. Because I believe in him, and I believe... He believes in talent. And I believe in that offense and day. I mean, they have a great offensive mind leading that team now, and I, I, I know the type of talent he has, so I believe in it. Okay, so then why don't you believe in Nebraska? Because they're... Because that same thing can be said for Nebraska. Nebraska's offense, I never have doubted their offense. I think their defense is trash. And I like Ohio State's skill players and offensive line a lot more than in Nebraska's. And we, there's not even an argument to compare defenses. Ohio State's defense is light years ahead of Nebraska's. I just don't understand how you could take what he does on the field against an FAU team that probably, again, is probably going to be an offensive type of, uh, of football team as opposed to defensive side of football team. And we're just going to just we're going to crown his ass. Is that really what we're already I mean, doing everybody, against everybody FAU? Everybody did it with Kyler Murray last year. Yep. Well, Kyler Murray lived up to the hype. I mean, when when they put up 70 points this week against <laughs> FAU, the, the hype is going to be right up there, the same as Kyler Murray's. I'm just saying, you, we should all just pump the brakes a little bit on Justin Fields. Let the guy get into a rhythm. I just want to see it against better teams. The, he, you want to see it against the vaunted Nebraska defense. Okay, I understand. <laughs> all right, next one. I'm, I want to see it against number 24 in Nebraska. That's what I want to see. They against. won't be number 24 when they play Ohio State. They'll be unranked by right. them. All right, next question. It, the next sentence, this is for Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald will, and I'll finish, start this off, will complain in some way about having to head west to play a strong opponent week one. Pat Fitzgerald loves to be the center of attention even when his team is doing well. And I feel even, we'll get to our picks on this game in a little bit later, but even if Northwestern wins, he's going to have some type of comment that puts the focus back on Pat Fitzgerald and not on the actual Northwestern Wildcat football program. I This is going to be kind of my mission all year. I know Champ's harping on Northwestern not being good. My thing's going to be on Pat Fitzgerald making himself the center of attention in Evanston. My sentence is a little more harsh than yours, DC, and yours was pretty harsh. Pat Fitzgerald needs to shut his fucking mouth and remember that he's Northwestern and not Clemson. Pat Fitzgerald is running his mouth entirely too much this offseason and in the last couple years. You're Northwestern, bro. You're not like this perennial national title contender that you keep talking that you have the same amount of talent as Clemson, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's not the case, my man, and you're gonna, it's going to be a harsh reality when you go 5-7 and seven this week and start off this week getting smacked by Stanford a little preview of my score prediction for later in the show so is Pat Fitzgerald doing the thing like some coaches have done before where like he sets the clock back two hours for everything Northwestern does just to get him used to the the the, the time that they're gonna have to get I, up and play I this mean, game you know that he's gonna complain because that of course is not a night game it's an afternoon game and their clocks are gonna be all Correct. I mean you know it's already a built-in complaint like DC win or lose he's gonna bitch about it it, yeah, it's he's gonna do that. He's gonna talk about all the things that he did to get his team ready, and then if for if they win and if they lose, it's gonna be well. You know, we went out there, we had to play, at, in you know at noon Pacific or you know noon Pacific time, whatever time it is over there, and yeah. we you know this the this deck stacked against us, and but you know what, we'll prevail, and it's like a normal rah rah stuff. It's just get over yourself. You lost a football game. Props to you for scheduling a tough opponent, but let's move on and, and move forward. 
Guys, when you're in class, normally from 3 to 7 o'clock at night, it's tough to play a football game when you're just so used to being in the books, all right? These guys are professional, amateur athletes. They go to school and play sports. I think you need to give them some more credit. Okay. Eh, I'll choose not to. Let's move on to Nebraska. Wait, no, I forgot you didn't get my sentence. I mean, it's probably something that's probably positive for Northwestern. But go it's ahead. It's actually not. Pat, Fitz, Pat Fitzgerald is going to start the season one and six. That's my sentence. <laughs> go, baby. <laughs> they do have a, a very difficult schedule. I, At Stanford, two and five UNLV. Is a definite possibility. It, it very much so is. At Stanford, UNLV, Michigan State, at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, Ohio State, and Iowa. That is a murderer's row. UNLV right now looks like the only game I'm willing to give them a victory in. Uh, well, we, we will see. I might be the only one on this in this show who likes Northwestern Week 1. But, Jerson, I skipped you so rudely for Northwestern. I'll let you kick off Nebraska. Nebraska is blank. This is, goes into exactly what I was saying. Nebraska is going to get way too much hype for the next four weeks. They start off the season against South Alabama, have to play Colorado, then get Northern Illinois, and then they go to Illinois. Nebraska is going to easily start the season off, I think, 4-0, and that's when things start getting a little tricky for them, and that's when Ohio State comes to town. So we're going to hear a lot about Nebraska early. We're going to hear a lot about Justin Fields early, and then those teams are going to come together, and we're finally going to see – what team actually means business in the Big Ten? That kind of builds on what mine is, actually. I said Nebraska's going to cause a panic in Huskerville, in parentheses, but nowhere else. And I think, Jared, to your point, their schedule sets up so nicely that win or lose, everybody in the state of Nebraska is going to freak out at what the Huskers are doing. They're going to overreact to anything good, anything bad. If the defense gets up too many points, I think Nebraska fans are going to overreact to that. If they win any of these, or winning all four of these games heading into the Ohio State game, they're going to overreact to that. I am going to choose to wait. They're the more barometer test for me when they play Ohio State than Ohio State playing Nebraska. It's do, can they actually? Is the hype real? Because that's going to be it's a legitimate. It's my pick to win the Big Ten. So let's see what they look like come Week Five when they're done playing all these cupcakes in the state of Nebraska. Champ, what's your sense? I mean, mine goes very much along with what you guys are saying. Mine is pretty simple. Nebraska is the most overrated team in the nation. That's what I think right now. <laughs> I think the hype about Nebraska is ridiculous. I think they're losing to Colorado week two. They have to fly to Colorado. That's not a home game. And I think everybody's going to be talking them up. Yeah, wow, they'll beat Alabama State this week or South Alabama, whoever the fuck they're playing. They're going to beat the shit out of them. And then they're going to go to Colorado. They're probably going to be double-digit favorites in Colorado, and they're going to lose. And then all everybody is going to be so upset again in Huskerland. And every, it's going to show how overrated they actually are. You know where Colorado is on the map, right, I, compared to Nebraska? I understand it's not very, a very far trip, but I still think they're going to lose. Okay, the I just want to make sure you know where Jay's Colorado asking was. where things are questions when he has the worst sense of direction out of the three of us nah, is pretty comical. That's pretty, I have a pretty bad sense of direction. I do know my map, I have though. a bad sense of direction, but I'm back in logistics, so I know where general places are on the, on the global map. Yeah, I'm pretty good with the maps, like looking at a map, but my sense of direction, god awful. Uh, what do you need direction for when you have ways now? It's dumb. Preach. Shoot, technology... What's up, champ? I said preach. He's right. Oh, preach. When you have ways, I mean, what do you need to know? What if I'm going east, west, south? Who gives a shit? 
Right. If the caveman had uh, a grill, they wouldn't have needed a fire and a, and a rock. Yep. Very true. Good point. Good point. Let's move on to a guy who probably wishes some of us still were in the caveman days. It's Jim Harbaugh. Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh is... Champ, why don't you kick this one off? I said Jim Harbaugh is in major trouble if they don't live up to expectations this year. I, I'm starting to believe a little more what Jerry was talking about earlier this year. Like, if, if Michigan doesn't have a big, big season, and I don't know if they have to beat Ohio State, but I think they have to win 10 or 11 games, or Jim Harbaugh's job might be in jeopardy. I mean, the, the Michigan alums... A lot of the stuff I've been reading, they're not happy with Jim Harbaugh. He's not living up to expectations. And I think he could be in major trouble if they don't have a big season. I I would agree. I think, yeah, he's got definitely got a target on his back. Jerry, what's your sentence? My sentence is Jim Harbaugh is going to ruin the offense in week one. There was a report that came out yesterday that he is wanting to play both quarterbacks right away. He wants to play Shea Patterson and Dylan McCaffrey, and he's saying it out loud to reporters. Now, if Shea is your guy, you stick and roll with your guy, and you work Dylan in if you come off on top way early, just like I was going to do this weekend with Spencer Petras, who I have been touting for weeks now. Champ, say you're sorry. I apologize. He won the backup Great. job. <laughs> he, you are correct. My boy Manziel will be playing at another school soon. Right. So, but if Shea is your guy and you brought in this new offense, you think he's going to be the guy to do it. You don't start saying that you want to play both quarterbacks and it's still just kind of up in the air. It's week one in three days. So, Jerry, I think you're built right off champs perfectly, right? He's, he's in trouble if he doesn't get it going and he's going to probably get himself into trouble week one. Yes. And I think kind of going off of the Dylan McCaffrey, Shea Patterson stuff, my, my sentence is Jim Harbaugh is going to raise hell publicly about the transfer portal. It's been well-known, well-documented this offseason. All of the kids who have transferred away from Michigan and whether or not that they have been eligible immediately or not, the majority of them have not been. And a lot of parents and families have blamed Jim Harbaugh and Michigan for trying to block those eligibilities immediately. I was going through right now with Oliver Martin. I think whispers that we're hearing, nothing's confirmed. We don't know anything, but whispers are kind of positive that we're going to see Oliver Martin play this year for the Hawkeyes. And I think, Jared, to your point on the McCaffrey-Shea Patterson thing, he's only saying that publicly to combat one of them transferring. That's the reason why. If you publicly don't commit to either one of them, they don't have a way out. Which goes back to the caveman portion that started this whole thing is McCaffrey, like, If Harbaugh really thinks that dragging these two along through the first three or four games isn't going to piss them right off and it's going to keep one of them around longer, then he's more moronic than I ever thought he was. He, I mean, he's just not the guy that we thought he was either. He, you're a quarterback, you should know better. Right? No, I agree with you, but I also think he is. It's almost like he he hasn't grown with the time of college football, and he's trying to combat things that the way you would have five, ten years ago. Where you're not right. going to commit to a guy publicly because you don't want him to transfer secretly, but now it's so easy for kids to transfer that just by not playing them, they're going to leave. And so I think he's just stuck in he's just stuck in an old way of of college football, and he doesn't have a way of kind of he's refusing to kind of get it with the times. And to your to Champ's point, right, that's going to get him into trouble. Yeah, if he's he gonna, doesn't get with the times real quick, he's going to be gone, and they're going to exactly. find someone that can get with the times. And can have a modern offense and all this stuff. It's going to happen. He better get it together real, real quick. 
Absolutely. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to get into quick big-time playoff contenders, and we'll preview the Iowa versus Miami game. We'll be right back. And we are back. We are talking about week one in the Big Ten. And let's go, before we do some picks, let's go preseason. Who are your Big Ten playoff contenders? Who are the teams in the Big Ten that you guys think at, from week one right now? And we'll, we'll go through this week by week to see how it changes. But as we head into the season, who are your legitimate playoff contenders in the Big Ten? Champ, we'll start with you. I have four uh, legit playoff contenders in the Big Ten. I, I'm not saying all four of them are going to be in the playoff, but with one of them will be out of these four. I think it's going to be Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, and Wisconsin. I did two from each side of the conference. I think those are your uh, best four teams in the conference right now. Michigan does not make my list. I, I just don't see it. I think Penn State has more talent. I like their coaching staff better. And you guys have heard my love for Ohio State. I think they're the best team in the conference. If I had to rank them, they would be my number one contender by and large. I don't think it's really close with the other three after that. But, uh, yeah, those are my four. <clears throat> Jared, do you have Michigan in there? Do you have the same four plus Michigan? Do you, what, What's your list looking like? I have a one-team list, and it's the University of Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> they are the only playoff contender in my eyes. They are the most complete team in the entire conference. I've been saying this for weeks. Everybody continues to doubt it. That's fine. That's exactly where Kirk Ferentz and this team wants to be. I don't see anybody else that has everything that Iowa does. I mean, I don't know how you can honestly think that Iowa is the most complete team in the entire conference when Ohio State is in your conference, a top-five team in the nation. Both sides of the ball are absolutely stacked. Like, oh, can you open your eyes? I mean, take the Iowa goggles off for a second, and let's be serious here. The beginning of that sentence by Jer, he literally sounded like he was an SNL character in the Superfans. Duh, Hawks. Like, yeah. he just felt like he was going full Superfan meathead on us there. But do you care First of to all, yourself, let's Jer? not all pretend that the Ohio State thing is just a brand thing right now. It's a complete brand thing. There's a new coach, new quarterback. Like, I know it's Ohio State. I get it. But, like, let's just, like, oh, let's all just bow down to Ohio State just because they got a freaking name. I, I'm it's, not bowing down to them because they have a name. <laughs> I like the talent that they have on their roster. That's why I'm And bowing. I like the talent that's on I, Iowa's roster. I understand. Roster. I do, too. But you can at least consider the fact that Ohio State is a great team as well. I've gone on record saying that I think Ohio State's going to run the table, but Iowa's going to beat them in the Big Ten Championship. That doesn't mean that you can't also say, man, Ohio State's a pretty damn good team. The champ's point, the question is, who's your playoff contenders in the Big Ten, right? It could, there's, there's multiple answers to that question. That's okay. Yes. It proves right. how deep the conference is. I have one is. true contender. It's Iowa beating Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Penn State, unfortunately, losing that opportunity to Ohio State once again. But I think Penn State is a very good program. I just don't think they're a playoff contender. Neither do I think Ohio State because we're only going to get one in. It's not an 18 playoff yet. Iowa Hawkeyes uh, going to the playoff. Okay. Well, we will, we will you see You can whine all you want. I'm just going to make sure I bring all this audio back the minute it happens. David, the non-believer, and it goes to both of you. I picked Iowa to beat them he in the championship, I, right. you fool. That doesn't we mean all, I don't think they're contenders. We all have Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. This question is simply who out of the Big Ten can you make the playoff? Yes. Who are the contenders for making the playoffs? Champ has Iowa in that list. I have Iowa in that list. We also both have Ohio State. I've also added Michigan in that list off Champ's list, but it's the same four. 
So DC so, has five. Uh, I, I mean, have that's, five. That's acceptable. Michigan just missed my list. I don't think they're. But to have one true contender out of fourteen teams, when you have what seven ranked teams now in, in the Big Ten, and to build on that, well, Nebraska doesn't count. Remember, <laughs> to build on that. I think if you only truly have one contender, it, it hurts the conference. Yes, and it actually proves that the conference isn't very deep and it's not a talented conference, and that's not the case at all. It's the best conference in the country, I think. I would agree. Jared, do you disagree because you only have Iowa as your, number, as your only Big Ten contender that can make a playoff? I just at the end of the Big Ten championship, there's going to be one contender. That obviously is how it has to work. I mean, my lord. Ohio State's going to be a very good football team. Okay. He also is, didn't he say Penn State was going to go eleven and one, and their only loss would be to Ohio State. But yeah, they're not a contender. <laughs> this is a flowing conversation, Jer. Things can change week by week. You can start kind of start big and narrow yourself down. No, I'd rather start really small and pigeonhole myself, and then eventually jump over the fence and just be like, ah, oh, I always said Penn State's probably going to be pretty good. The ultimate okay. fence rider. <laughs> the ultimate fence rider. Let's get some picks in on the conference and a few of these games that are actually worth getting picks on before we get into the Iowa game. We've got six Big Ten games plus Iowa State. We're going to pick against the spread all season long. First game on the list is Northwestern. Six and a half point underdogs going to Stanford. Champ, I think we all know where you're leaning, but why don't you put it on the record? Yeah, I'm going, I love the set, it's, that it's only six and a half and not seven. I think Stanford wins this game by at least a touchdown, but I don't have to give up that touchdown. So if they do win by seven, I'm a winner. So give me Stanford minus the six and a half. Chair? Classic hook for me. I'm with Champ here. I think Stanford's going to get this job done. I don't like Northwestern going to the West. I already think we talked about it. This is going to be in a big excuse game for Pat Fitzgerald. I don't like what they're having to replace. I understand that their quarterback thinks that they're basically Clemson, but in the Midwest, but I think that's just a crock of shit. So I'm <laughs> taking Stanford, and I probably will end up betting this game. I am taking Northwestern. Northwestern, as I saw on Twitter today before we recorded, they have, they have covered the last 10 games as the road team as underdogs. So I that mean, is something that I'm going to build on. That, Go ahead, That Jeff. just means it's going the other yeah, way. I mean, that means streaks <laughs> well, are meant to be broken. I mean, come on. I now. also feel like a storyline perspective, everyone's going to be picking Stanford because no one's giving Northwestern any credit. So Mr. Fitzgerald himself is going to use it as a rallying cry and then use that as his post-game press uh, part to kind of tell everybody to stop, stop doubting his team. He's going to ask that question. What do they have to do to no longer be doubted over and over and over again? I know that's going to happen with Fitz next game, Illinois 17 point favorites versus Akron. Jared, who do you got? Uh, give me the zips of the points all day in this game. I, I, there's a couple of these that I might parlay. DC, I know you've, you've kind of talked about it yourself, but there's just no way that I ever want to give Illinois more than two touchdowns against any team. Yeah. Especially especially when Lois Smith picks the wrong quarterback. I think it's a clean sweep for Akron, right, Champ? Oh, yeah. Akron in the points. It's a no-brainer. Illinois should never be favored by more than two touchdowns. So the over for this right now is at 61? That, that means they're expecting a shootout. Right? Which means it's probably going to be close. <laughs> yeah. Moronic. Yeah, probably. Man, give me Akron might win this game straight up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Nebraska 36-point favorites versus South Alabama. 
I'm going to take South Alabama. Champ, what do you think? I'm going to take Nebraska. South Alabama is a garbage organization. I mean, Nebraska is going to put up a shit ton of points. They probably win like 59 to 10 or something like that. Okay. Jerry, what do you think? I think South Alabama's logo looks like one of those made-up ones when you made like create a Madden team back in the day. It's it's absolutely trash. Um, I don't know anything about South Alabama, but I also know that 36 points is a lot of points for a team that was four and eight last year. So um, I'm gonna go back to the love and leave it days, and I'm just gonna leave this one. <laughs> he doesn't 30- even make a pick. <laughs> 36 points is so much for a four and eight team. To have to surrender I'm going to ride with South Alabama I will take that A little context the, la- the last time they played It was in 2015 But the final was 48-9 to So Nebraska won by 39 The last time these two matched up Isn't that when Was that Bo Pelini's last year Or was that uh, Mike Riley's first year mm, I don't remember I try to mm-hmm. block out Nebraska memories Out of my mind Well it's sort of Nebraska does too Unless it's the 90s True that all right, next up, Wisconsin, 13-point favorites at US, USF in Tampa on Friday night. Jer, who do you got? Going to Tampa right now is a very difficult thing. It's also very difficult to play football there in Tampa. Charlie Strong has a very good football team coming back. I think he's got a really solid quarterback. Look, I like Wisconsin a lot, and if I was being really serious about the contenders, they would have been one of the two I'd pick in the Big Ten West. But... I truly like USF. I like where they're at. What are you I can't believe about? you just said you really like Wisconsin. The last two weeks, <laughs> you've literally shat all over Wisconsin. You told me their quarterback is horrible, that they they have no offensive line, and now you really just said you really like Wisconsin. My, what are my you face, talking about? My face was more of how you're already trying to backtrack your one true Big Ten contender line. Like, you're already, it's not even like five minutes later, you're I already mean, trying to so backtrack it. it's ridiculous that you just, I mean, just proclaimed that. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm caught. I found out. I'm taking USF with the points. I think they actually could win this outright. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Champ, what do you? What's your pick? I mean, I actually do like Wisconsin, and I've said that I've liked Wisconsin for weeks now. But I do like you, USF, and the points this week. I think that's a lot of points for a uh, road team to cover. Uh, give me them. Give me USF plus thirteen. I think Wisconsin wins, but it'll be a closer game. I'm in the same boat as you, Champ. I like Wisconsin a lot. I think they win this game, but thirteen's a lot, especially as Jared said, going to Tampa in August. It'll be it's hard. Hot. It's hard. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. And if you've been, I know it's humid up in Wisconsin. I know it's humid in Madison where you're practicing, but it's not Tampa humid. Not at not all. Tampa God, humid. it's and hot there. So I think you're going to have a, a win, but it's going to be a little bit closer than than the 13 points that the spread is currently. Next up, Minnesota minus 13 and a half versus South Dakota State. I will take the the goofers uh, and just kind of see. Hope maybe PJ Fleck has kind of found something and kind of kick things off on a good start, on a good step. Jerry, what do you got? I got Minnesota as well. I think they're going to establish the run game, get that thing off to a really nice start going into the season. Um, I can see them jumping up to like a 21-point lead early and then kind of just running that, riding that running game till the end of the game. So I see this probably at like a 17-point victory for Minnesota. Champ, what do you think? It's a clean sweep for the Gophers. I like them this week as well. 
All right, let's not waste any time. Let's get to the next game. It's Purdue at Nevada. I pulled the lineup just now on the Action Network app, and Purdue is now 11-point favorites uh, against the Wolfpack. Jared, who do you got? This seems high to me right now. I'm going to go at I had Purdue originally, but I think now that it's 11, I, I think I'm going to take Nevada on the points. It's at Nevada. I would really want to see where Purdue's at. Honestly, I'd stay away from this game wholeheartedly, but since we're picking and I already did that once in this session, I'll take Nevada on the points. And Nevada, I mean, it's hot in Tampa. It's also really, really hot in Nevada right now, too. Different so, kind of hot, but hot. I was there last week. It was 110 degrees, and you're going this weekend. You'll f- I feel that as well. Very not looking forward to that part of it. But, yes, I have Nevada, too. I think Purdue will win. Same thing with Wisconsin, but I think it's going to be closer. Going on the road, Purdue, I think you're going to have a lot of ups and downs with Purdue this year. And going on the road week one, where it's notoriously sloppy for everybody across the board in college football, They'll win, but it'll be a little bit close than what they, when people think. Uh, Champ, what do you think? I actually like Purdue. I think they're going to come out strong this week. I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think they're going to put up over 50 this week, and I think they're going to cover the spread. I think they win by two touchdowns. Good deal. Let's wrap things up with our in-state rivals, the Iowa State Cyclones. They are 18.5-point favorites versus UNI. Jared, who do you got? I got Iowa State absolutely in this. I think the defense is too good for you and I to even be close to moving the football. I trust the offense as well. Matt Campbell's got this team in a really good position. I think Iowa State has an opportunity to be a contender in the Big 12 this year. So I'm going to take Iowa State. I will take Iowa State as well. Champ, what about you? I think Iowa State as well. I think it's very similar to the matchup with Iowa and Miami, Ohio. Iowa's a 21.5-point favorite. I thought that that line should have been – a little more like that for this game, but it's only 18 and a half. So give me the Cyclones. I think they win by three touchdowns. All right, guys. Those are our picks this week for the Big Ten plus Iowa State. Let's get into the Hawkeyes versus the Red Hawks Saturday night inside Kinnick Stadium. Let's start off things just very, very generally. Champ, I'm going to start with you. Predict the plot. What do you think is going to happen in this game Saturday night? I think Iowa's defense is going to control this entire game. I think Miami of Ohio is going to have a lot of trouble moving the ball. I don't think they're going to be getting into Iowa territory if much at all in the first half. Maybe in the second half when Iowa starts bringing in some more backups, they might start to you know, score a, te- a cheap touchdown or two. But I think this is going to be a game controlled by the defense of Iowa. I think their offense is also going to play well. But I think Miami of Ohio is going to have a lot, a lot of trouble. They, they're replacing a lot of their offensive line. We know how deep, you know, the defensive line of Iowa is. And I think it's going to be a game where it's going to be controlled by the d- defensive unit of Iowa. All right. Jerry, what do you got? Uh, my plot is very simple. Iowa gets running game on track to start 2019 season. Um, I don't think that we're going to see much from Nate Stanley. I think maybe he has a total of between 17 and 20 total attempts, but I think Brian Ferris is going to come out there with the intention of getting both Makai Sargent and Torn Young going. That should be the only real goal here. We all know that they're going to end up beating Miami of Ohio, so let's get the running game off to a great start. Let's build some rapport on that offensive line and make sure that we get into that Big Ten schedule knowing that we have backs that are hitting 100 yards a game. Yeah, I think they're both getting 15-plus carries. I like that call by Jerome. I think uh, 
Torin and Mackay both have 15 plus carries. They both might get over 100 yards too. They're going to try to establish the run big time. Do you guys, and Jerry, I'll start with you since you kind of feel like you are just going to establish the run game. Do you guys, do you think our questions on this team or like the the small questions, the things to improve on will be answered at all going after coming out of this game? Yes, I do. I think I think we're going to see Brian wanting the run. I think they know that the run game is the reason why Iowa didn't win more games last year. So if they could come out of this and establish some confidence in this entire group that they're going to be able to rely on this, that's huge for this team. I think the defense knows it. I think the offense knows it. If they're able to run the football like we expect Iowa to be able to do, this team is going to be very hard to beat week in and week out. And if they can prove to the fan base and Brian can prove it to his father and Kirk can actually have that confidence in his son that he's going to be able to do what he wants to do in his heart of hearts, that is a huge thing for Iowa going into the rest of the season. Do you think um, – I just lost my cold train of thought. I apologize. Champ, what, what, do you think our questions will be answered that we have about this Hawkeye team after one week? I, I don't think you can answer, especially the running game question, based off of this opponent. I think, yes, it'll, it'll help us to see that they are going to go to the run more and try to establish that. But I don't think you can say, yes, all, all of our questions are going to be answered by them running for – you know, let's say 250-plus yards against Miami of Ohio. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that, and I think that's kind of what my main plot is, right? I think Iowa wins this game. I don't think there's any question about that in my mind. I just don't think we're going to have the questions answered that we have about this team for this season. I will say, though, for the Red Hawks, I think one of their strongest assets on their team is probably that defensive line. So it's it's not the Big Ten test, but it is a nice early test for that offensive line in the run game to go against right now. The linebackers are going to be pretty bad for the Red Hawks, so maybe that's not built up to exactly par of what we're expecting, but that defensive line is at least going to test that offensive line, and I think that's going to that, that adds value to what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a good point. I think that's one spot. I just think when you're at your chance point, right, the left side of their offensive line is being replaced, so you have A.J. Epinesa going to run wild. You're not going to really get to see probably much of him being truly tested against against an elite side of, of an offensive line for a game. He's probably not going to play a lot. Then you also have on the defensive side for the Red Hawks, replacing two safeties, a linebacker, or two, a li- two linebackers, I think. And so to you guys' point, Stanley's not going to be – he's going to be able to throw the ball – I think pretty easily he's not going to throw very often so you're not really going to see is he is the accuracy improved are they getting it out to all the different playmakers they have with, with or with like with or without Alvin Martin so I, I agree with you Jerry I think the defensive tackle that uh, Miami of Ohio has in um, uh, Doug Hostin he's going to provide a good test for that, that interior offensive line and for the run game but I think that's really the only real opportunity we're going to see for any maybe type of answers. That's the only one we need to see, though. I mean, outside of the receivers, what else do we really need to see from this team that we already don't know we have? The I need tight to see, ends. I need to see the tight ends. I need to see Nate Stanley be accurate, be more of a playmaker. 
You guys questioning the tight ends is baffling to me. There's going to be a good tight yeah, end. Yeah, well, I, I want just... to see that. Can we see that? I mean, I, I'm not just going to anoint them. Okay, but if, is Iowa going to fine? Is Iowa going to is Iowa going to win more football games because the running game's good again, or are they going to win more football games because there's three tight ends that like aren't living up to Iowa standard? They need to run the. It's ball. the run game. I, I know that, but that they still need production from their tight end spot. Not if there's five receivers running around okay, out there. Okay, calm down with the five receivers. But I, but I'm with you, Jerry. I think the run game is very very important to the coaching staff to establish week one. I think you've you've heard yes. it all off season, whether you know explicitly, implicitly that like they are preaching having the run game getting going, and so that's going to be my kind of big eye is like how are they going to make sure the run game does get off the ground. And so that's something that I'm looking for when I'm watching on Saturday to see what are they doing to get the run game going? Are they running on a different personnel packages? Are they doing play action? Are, yes. they, are they passing to set the run up? Are they like, what are they doing to kind of get that run game going? And that's something I'm going to look for. I don't, I don't necessarily think we're going to see a lot of that extra stuff though. I think we're going to see the run game, but I don't think we're going to start. I don't think Brian's going to be willing to open up the playbook against Miami of Ohio to show some of those um, two running back sets or some of that 11 personnel or running um, without a fullback in there. So to build on that, if you see if let's say everything is rather vanilla, normal Iowa, big power sets, outside zone type of thing and the run game struggles, are you going to be worried? Yes. 100%. 100%. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, you have to be. Uh, I would be a fool to say no. So would you, if if the... Don't roll your eyes, champ. <laughs> I mean, you've been you've made some very <laughs> foolish statements this podcast, so... <laughs> is there anything else that's causing you, the wor- causing you to worry ahead of this game, or is it just seeing what the run game looks like going into week one? The only thing I'm worried about is what I'm going to be eating while watching this game. That's literally it outside of the running game. It's a, it's a nice thing to have. I think we've touched on the interior offensive line against Doug Costin for, for Miami, Ohio. Getting that run game going is going to be important. I think the also the thing that's kind of going under the radar, everyone's making such a big deal, the nickel package, the 4-2-5 that I was running this year. Cash. But one thing you've heard Seth Wallace say and you've heard Phil Parker say is that there's still going to be a lot of 4-3 going on there. So I want to see how they are mixing and matching that personnel based on the offenses on the field are they going to do the normal Iowa thing that regardless if there's a tight end on the field we're going to have three linebackers out there or if that tight end's making some plays in the put in the passing game are they going to sub that out and put that nickel package in there to combat that that's what I'm kind of kind of a little worried about is that I was just going to fall back to you know same old Iowa right we're going to play four three because there's a tight end on the field and we want to be able to make sure we have that bigger body to handle the run I think I trust Phil Parker's innovativeness a little bit more than Brian Ferentz's. So I, I think they're, yes, I think they're going to make some changes if needed. And if a tight end's, you know, having a big calf or a big quarter, I think, yeah, then they're going to bring that cash position out there and DJ Johnson and let him go after that tight end. I think, yeah, I think that's going to happen. I mean, Phil knows the personnel, so if he sees a two tight ends coming in and subbing out two receivers, like, yes, he's going to send a linebacker out there instead of putting out DJ Johnson just because that's just the better matchup right then and there. But I, I, I trust Phil. I think they're going to be in the nickel at the end of the season. I would say 60 to 65% of the time they'll actually be in the nickel. 
Seems I mean, like I, a good number. Yeah, I think with the Big Ten, a lot of teams playing the spread, I think you're going to see a lot more nickel. But those instances where you do see more tight ends and more yeah. 21 personnel, it's going to be probably more 4-3 than works than everyone's made out to believe is going to happen this year. Right. Like the whole Wisconsin game is going to be a 4-3. Probably oh, the Northwestern game as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then absolutely. Purdue will probably be majority nickel. Or dime. Wow. Do we have a penny back? We got a little dime, <laughs> baby. We could throw in another, you know, our boy Riley. Who's Moss. on the dime? What president's on the dime? Uh, Is it Thomas Jefferson? I haven't seen a dime in a long time, so I have no idea. I don't know. That's a good question. All right, let's get let's get some picks in before we uh, wrap things up this week. It is as I'm looking at my app right now a 22 point spread. Now it has gone up. You've lost the hook. I don't 22, 21 and a half, 22 is not that big of a hook. But I was 22 point favorites. Champ, who do you got? I like the hawk. Uh, the Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes at 41 to 10 final score. I think they control this game from start to finish. I think by mid-third quarter, a lot of the backups are in, so they won't run up the score too badly. Uh, 41 to 10, Hawkeyes. Jerry, what do you got? I like the Hawkeyes 52 to 9, and I would say the majority of us are watching the Oregon-Auburn game as our main game and flipping back to the Iowa game at commercials. Interesting, interesting take. I have the Hawkeyes as well. Uh, I'm going to go with 38 to 12. Why not 12? We'll go four field goals for the for the Red Hawks this week. Why not 13? I think it's a little harder to get to. Uh, and, yeah, I just think Iowa, Iowa controls. I think we'll have a few answers, maybe not as many as we're hoping for after this week. But uh, I am, for one, very excited for some football back in our lives. Guys, Jer has a little something special for us to wrap the show this week. And with it, he is going to pump everybody up with a pregame speech. And we will send off with that. Before we go, guys, any words, any parting words before Jared takes the stage to end things up? It's game week, boys. It's exciting. We got some actual football action. I, for one, am extremely excited. All right. Well, we'll hand it off to Jared to close things off. Go Hawks. Everyone on me. Take a knee. Now listen, men. This beautiful Saturday in Iowa City is the first step in achieving our season-long goals. When we all met the first day of fall camp, I looked you all in the eyes and I told you that I'm putting everything on the line this season. I told you that I'm going to fight harder, plan smarter, push stronger than I ever have before. That's because I believe in each and every one of you. I'm not going to lie to you all. Last year, it crushed me. It crushed our staff. It crushed you. Count them on one hand, men. You know what I'm talking about. Those little, tiny, incessant, heart-numbing moments. Those little, fucking moments that kept us all from reaching our ultimate goal of being Big Ten West champions. It was a gut punch because I know in my heart of hearts that I left unfinished business out on that field. I didn't coach you all to the best of my abilities. And for that, I'm sorry. But guess what, gentlemen? Guess the fuck what? Last year is last year. I buried it under the brand new effing scoreboard. It means absolutely nothing now. You know what actually does matter? What matters is this year, we finish everything. This year we come through for our brothers. This year we prove every single person that has ever doubted us unequivocally wrong. We prove that doubting the Iowa Hawkeyes is a fool's errand. 
You all are elite. This staff is elite, and it's right there for you to take it. Do you boys want it? Do you want to be remembered? Do you want to walk through this town for the rest of your life knowing that you delivered one of the greatest seasons in the history of this proud program? Do you want to tell the stories to your grandkids about the time the 2019 Iowa Hawkeyes did the unthinkable? Well, if you do, get your asses up, go swarm out on that field, and go kick the living shit out of any person that comes between you and your legacy. One, two, three, Hawkeyes forever. Trick or treat, Iowa City! (laughs) If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.